Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about?" You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Gym Girl Podcast. My name is Angel and I am your beautiful, amazing, wonderful host and very, very humble host at that. <laughs> anyway, how are you guys going? Oh my gosh, I'm tired. I am so tired. It is coming to the end of the university year and I am getting to the... You know when I'm not burnt out, but oof, she's getting there. She's close. And I need to start taking some more time to care for myself and care for my alone time. Um, In saying that, I hope that you are too. I hope that you're taking the time that you need to look after yourself. And I'm very excited for you to hear today's interview. It is with none other than Chelsea Hodges, the world-renowned swimmer who actually swam at the Tokyo Olympics as well as the Birmingham Commonwealth Games. I'm very fortunate to have her on the podcast. So now, enjoy the episode. Oh. And feel free to give us a cheeky five stars, a bit of a follow on Spotify, and a cheeky follow on Instagram. All right, bye. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of That Gym Girl. Guys, I'm actually with someone, and we're on Zoom, but we live literally like a few kilometers away from each other. We just, I'm in the middle of moving house, so I was like, nah, girl, don't come to my pigsty, please. Anyway, I'm introducing the incredible Chelsea Hodges. Chelsea, hello, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. Oh my god, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Just FYI, Chelsea and I went to um, high school together and now we're just living our best lives and she's here on my podcast full circle. Yeah, banal French immersion, just making everyone come back full circle. I know, it's so funny. And then even I've got friends from um, like Sophia, I'm best friends with her still now, which is just so hilarious. Um, I've actually kind of started this pretending that everybody knows who you are, which I mean, they should, but for those who don't, could you give a rundown of who you are, what you do, what you're about? Yeah. So, um, kind of to sum myself up, I'm a swimmer, um, a little bit more into detail that I've represented the country at, I think five or six international competitions, most recently the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham this year and the Tokyo Olympic Games last year, but were held after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I also study nursing and midwifery outside of swimming. I have another different life outside of the pool. But yeah, my whole life, the whole time I've known Angel, I've been swimming nonstop laps every day, six days a week. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Is it like? 
do you like being known as Chelsea the swimmer? I think I, I, I think my like close like close people that know me don't know me as Chelsea the swimmer. Yeah. It is an easy way for people to like remember who I am. I'm like I'm the one who swims. Like it's just an easy way to like for people to remember. But it is like it is hard sometimes where I'm like you know if I'm at you know a uni placement and they like find out that I swim. Like I'm not very public about it when I'm meeting someone new and they find out that you know I've represented Australia they just like it becomes like I'm no longer a student it's like I become this like like, different identity where that's why like I try to like do things like this where people kind of understand that I'm not just Chelsea the swimmer like it does get a a bit annoying but I also like it can be useful sometimes and use it like I use it sometimes like yeah just that's how you remember me I'm the one that swims (laughs) but I try to make that just me like I'm not just a swimmer I feel like people, and I we were talking about this just before, even on so um with your media and stuff. It's nice to see your personality and not just she's the swimmer. That's it, full stop. Yeah, swimming is definitely something where, like, obviously, like we're in the water. Like, you don't actually get to see like our fate. Like, my head's under the water for half a race, so like you're not actually seeing like us. And it's like they show us like right when we finish, like our faces and our interviews. You're not actually seeing like. What, like we never speak really like we maybe do like a 30 second interview after a race but so like it's really hard to kind of understand it's like yeah we're actually not just boring people that swim we have personalities we yeah. have you know, other lives outside of the pool as well so yeah even after um you guys get out of the pool I see the interviews after you probably have no idea what you're saying you're just in this like weird moment and then I'm like no no but she doesn't even know what she's just said yeah, there's, there's actually one interview, it's funny you say that, because there's one interview in 2018, which was our year 12 year, I was at the Youth Olympic Games in um, Buenos Aires in Argentina, and I just missed the final of the 100 breaststroke, and I remember, like, getting out, I was stuffed, we'd had, like, three days of racing, it was a three days straight, it was right at the end, I was, like, a bit disappointed with how I swam, mm. they've chucked the camera on, but they're like, oh, we won't use the camera, it's fine, it's just going to be the audio, and we'll cut things out. They got me stuttering the word phenomenal as phenomenal because I was so tired and they put it on channel seven, channel nine, channel 10. It was like the only thing they used. And like that always just reminds me, I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. Like you just get out. Everyone knows you're stuffed. Like it's fine. It's a good joke. A couple of years down the track. It's an embarrassing first stop, but it's, it's a joke later on. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad it's come through as a joke. Um, no, but that would be so bizarre. Like you, I couldn't even imagine, like, I know runs at high school and stuff, and you finish and you're puffed, but there's no one with a camera unless it's your weird mum who's been there the whole time. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's I just... pretty crazy. So, like, a little bit of, like, insight to, because it's like, this actually doesn't come across on TV, and, any, like, if anyone does follow the Olympics, and you see maybe, like, one or two cameras, you know, there, mm. at the pool, there was a five more rooms you had to walk through that were all media. So oh. before you even get your stuff, so like we come out in a tracksuit, before you could even pick that tracksuit up, you had to go through five rooms of media, all the same thing, like camera, camera. It was obviously stopped like multiple times in the room, but like you would have to stop pretty much at least once in each room doing the same thing before you could even dry off. <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah, it is. It's pretty hectic and like for me, it was the weirdest, like they have it in the same thing at junior teams. It's obviously not to the extent as the Olympic Games, but yeah, we walk through and it's like, 
you never feel like a celebrity in swimming, but it's the first time where I'm like, how do people do this? Yeah. And it's like worse because it's like I've just exerted 100% of my body into a pool and now I have to walk through and now talk to you. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's pretty hard, but you kind of you kind of get used to it and you kind of realise it's like you're in control of that situation. Like if I don't want to say something, I don't need to talk to you. Yeah. Like you guys are being paid to stay here and film and it's not my job to speak to you. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like because some can be – there's some media guys out there that are just there's some journalists that I refuse to talk to and there's a lot of us that we you know refuse to talk to because they just kind of cross that boundary and just aren't respectful for us and aren't going oh we understand you've just swum like they just kind of gone with those heavy hitting questions which sometimes after a swim you don't want to talk about that you're a bit disappointed you're not going to be like yeah it was great let's talk about everything that happened this last 12 months like yeah yeah no re- did it take you a while to learn that and to like learn how to put your boundaries in place um yeah so we kind of get a little bit of media training so it's not like back in the early 2000s we had a media person that every swimmer had to go through media training like it was a proper like and they used to do efforts in the pool and training and get out and speak to a camera like they practice that scenario we never did that like did that to the extent that they did back then we kind of get like the rundown the day before competition starts we walk through all the rooms they kind of there's always someone there telling you if you don't need to speak you don't have to so you kind of it takes a while for it to learn yourself and be okay with it because you don't want to be that rude person like no I don't want to talk to you but we kind of have that media person there all the time reminding us so it's if you do kind of forget or, you know, you're not comfortable, you have someone else to kind of do that for you. But it probably, like, probably last year was the first time where I felt confident enough in myself to be like, no, I don't want to speak to you, sorry. Yeah. You know, and move on. But, yeah, it is definitely something is strange because you, you grow up going, oh, no, you're rude if you say not. Mm-hmm. But then it's like finding out that kind of balance of I can be respectful of myself and you just, you know, but have my own boundaries kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I want to give the listeners kind of a little bit of insight into how you got into this. So, could you explain, were you always into health and fitness, or when did you find swimming? So, my parents put me and learned to swim, like most people in Queensland, like when I was four months old. I never really stopped swimming, like I went through like all the ranks, I went through learn to swim, went through into squad training, and then kind of like worked my way up, like made state, made nationals, but I wouldn't say... I was always 100% like I want to be an Olympian or I want to be like an elite athlete. I'd always loved health and fitness. Like I I think there was like one year, like I always had to do more than one sport. Like I was never just a one sport kind of person. But I was a, like I was always a sporty kind of health and fitness. Like always like, like just like the feeling that I got after I played a sport or, you know, went for a walk with mum, that type of thing. But swimming really kind of came to its what it is kind of now when I was about like 14, 15, when I was at school, because like, you kind of get that idea, you get that look into what it is like. And that's kind of when I was like, yeah, like I really want that. That's something that I want to do. That's when I stopped other sports and that's when I solely just focused on swimming. Yeah. And how did you find managing everything? You know, you went through grade 12 and you were still swimming overseas and now you're in university doing the exact same thing. Yeah. How, how has it been your parents? Has it been teachers? Has it just been open communication? How have you managed? I think it's a bit of like all three, actually, like what you were saying. Um, it is kind of, it, I'm not saying I was perfect at it all the time. There's definitely times, and even still now, there's times where I'm like, I shouldn't have booked something for that day. Or it's like, I have a uni assignment due in two days. Whoops. Like, yeah. it's 
I do have those like kind of oh shit moments where you're not organized but I did kind of get drilled in by my parents where it's like this is a choice like swimming is a choice and learning about priorities so you know there are times where swimming will take priority over swimming or other things like school or something else in my life but there'll be other things where school takes priority over swimming and it's basically outlining when those are really early on it might not be like oh, I have this assignment it's just going okay I know like at school I was like I'm not going to be able to probably commit 100% to swimming it might only be 10% less you know like might only be 90% or whatever so it was just basically doing that and then just really being really open with my teachers so like we went to the same school and like as we know there's some teachers where they're not as helpful as others and it's just basically finding like even if it's just one teacher like I remember one teacher you know Mr Morelli oh yeah um, he was my number one like if I ever had an issue with another teacher or an assignment that I really just was struggling with I need help and he to rely on and I knew that they knew that I wasn't just trying to like you know slack off and not do something it was I actually had an honest reason and I wanted to do it it just sometimes the time just wasn't feasible like I think year 12 I had a 60% attendance rate because all of that was swimming so Mm -hmm. I had three junior teams that year so I traveled three times internationally that year and I went to three national championships that year and tried to make Commonwealth Games teams. I, I missed out on that team, but I had that full Commonwealth Games trials prep. I made junior pan packs. I was on a junior um, national team, and then I went on to Youth Olympics. For Youth Olympics, I left during the Term 3 school holidays, and I came back four days before graduation. So my Term 4 was in South America. So it's just basically finding out as early as possible and planning around that yeah. pretty much. And I think people wouldn't realize the ups and downs that would come with your career. Even just like, you're, are you 21? Yeah, 21, yeah. Yeah, so you, I don't think people realize the extent to which your life has gone up and down and the challenges you must have faced trying to yeah. manage all of this, just, I'm going to say bullshit, just all this shit, like, <laughs> all this shit. And sometimes, you know, at high school, you've just got to get it done. You've just got to get it done and then it's done. But it can be so overwhelming and the pressure that people put on you, like teachers, um, coaches, parents, friends, you feel like you're getting pulled from everywhere. Yeah. And I really, you know, you probably get all the fucking people kissing your ass and shit, but, you know, credit to you because it's so, so incredible to hear. Um, So I really want to take you back to a time where you felt like there was a shift because... I have done a little bit of reading of the media and stuff about you, but I didn't want to come in here with like any preconceived notion or any assumptions. So I want to know about a pivotal time in your life where you were like, no, I am Chelsea. I'm proud of who I am. I am in control of my life. And Mm -hmm. this is what I'm made of. So that actually is kind of fairly recent. So I, it's a very easy answer for me because, like, it really was a turning point. Like, it was a distinct moment where I can remember. Um, After the Olympics, I actually went through this thing called post-Olympic depression and it's not really talked about at all. Like, you could Google it and there might be, like, two things that come Mm -hmm. up. 
but it is a very, very common thing that happens to athletes like after the Olympics as you come home and you go into this really just depressive state and it happens to everyone but some people like myself it doesn't really go away for a long time so I struggled with like pretty much was in a depressive state until about May this year I came back from the Olympics in August the year before so it was quite a long time where didn't feel myself I just wasn't happy I like all my relationships were like you could kind of see that it was reflected in my relationships. Like my, my boyfriend, I've been with him for four years now and he just noticed, he's like, something's just not right. And my friends were noticing, but I didn't really look at to myself at all and go, Oh, like what's like, what is going on? Like there must, I just thought I was like, Oh, you know, do I really want to swim? Like motivation levels were low. And I was just questioning kind of myself. And then in May we had our world championships trials and I missed out on the team by point like two of a second, which is nothing. And I was about a second off my best swim and my best swim would have easily got me on the team. Yeah. And I remember missing out on that team. And then I looked at myself, I was like, I'm not upset. Like I cried obviously after, but I was like, I'm not upset that I didn't make the team. I'm upset because I knew I stopped myself making that team. And it was just that automatic kind of like turning point. It was like a switch inside me. I was like, I should be upset that I haven't made this team. I'm upset that I've stopped myself. And then that was kind of an unraveling of things that, you know, I needed to realize kind of what got me to that point and how was I going to get myself out of that? And I just kind of went back to the roots of why I loved swimming. And I was like, well, why did I stop that kind of young little girl dream that I had when I was three, four years old? Why did I let that kind of get away with me and let, like you said, like the bullshit kind of take over that, you know? So that was kind of definitely a turning point. And for me, it had to be a very quick turning point because I made the Commonwealth Games team, which was in six weeks after that that time. So, you know, I had to basically... Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a week, I went away with my partner for the, the three days and I said, I was like, I need three days to fully reset and write down like why I swim, why I like swimming and just kind of myself, like I lost a lot of confidence and it was like, what am I confident in, in myself? Like finding the things that I should be proud of and be grateful for and things that I wanted to do and outlining them on paper. And that was really like a big turning point. And I went into Com Games, won three medals. I then came back and went to Sydney, do a duel in the pool, which was America versus Australia. I won the 100 breaststroke there and then I qualified for world short course four days after that and I just like have been ever since that turning point I was like wow like I haven't changed my training hasn't changed it was just that 
I kind of like believed in myself and I realized I was like, I'm going to go back to the roots of why I love swimming and just keep doing that. And it's been working. So yeah. that's crazy. And I didn't know that you won your race um, in, in Sydney. Yeah. So oh that God. was, um, yeah, we did the hundred breaststroke. We did a skins race, which is like 350 meters, but two people get knocked out each time. I came second in that. And then I came, yeah, I won the hundred breaststroke the next day. And it was a big whirlwind of a week because we come back for 10 days after being overseas raced again and then four days later had our world short course trials and that was yeah big deserved a break after those couple yeah. of weeks have you been having a break yes yeah, so i had two weeks off um and then well one week completely out of the water and no gym and then a week of just lifting and then this week i've been back in the water and back in the gym so because we have our world short course in december so kind of have to get going for yeah. that and then after that <laughs> so if you could go back and start again knowing what you know now knowing the shift you had would you yeah. still have chosen swimming I think I would have probably chosen swimming because I am such a water person like I can't do anything on land get me to run and things break and anything on land I'm like yeah not for me but I think my ad like my expectations I think going into swimming would be different yeah. I think going the biggest thing that I think causes like that post-Olympic depression is you kind of grow up watching the Olympics on TV everyone talks like everyone knows the Olympics you don't have to be into sport but you know what the Olympics is yeah and I think you everyone knows everyone talks about it it's like the pinnacle of your sport everyone knows that it's the pinnacle of any sport is the Olympic Games and you kind of think of it and you just expect oh well if I win a medal at those Olympic Games I'm gonna become like a different person like you kind of expect this, you expect that to be the shift. You know, you expect that to be, oh, I'm going to be, you know, be this new person. I'm going to have heaps of money, sponsors. I'm going to, you know, live this luxury lifestyle. And then you get home and you're like, Fuck, I'm in my parents' home. Like I'm in on my bed in my parents' place with my dog. Like nothing, nothing's changed. And it's coming to realise of that kind of expectation. And just like all the other bullshit that comes into swimming that you don't expect. Like people always say to me, do you, do you want like obviously you'll want your kids to swim when you're older and I'm like I don't know if I do mm-hmm. I obviously want them to know how to swim but I'm not going to be obviously actively pushing them to be a swimmer because it is something that is very grueling I definitely would probably choose it again because it is something that I just naturally love doing but competitive swimming has just fallen in like I you know have just been someone that's talented in swimming I still would have swum no matter my abilities but I think it is something that you look back on and you're like, yeah, it's not as easy as people assume or it is not the way that, like, you know, it's not the rainbow that the five-year-old, you know, you thinks of. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I definitely would do it again, but I don't think it is something that I would go into with the same mindset. Yeah, and then it's even funny that you said about how you would raise your children. So who instilled the mindset of discipline and... I guess, to a nature, competitiveness and drive. Who instilled that in you? Um, my parents are, like, both quite competitive and both very driven people. Like, my mum is someone who always wanted a career. My dad always wanted a career. They always wanted to be the best at them of themselves in that whatever they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. My dad played a lot of sports. Mum played a few sports as well. But dad was also – dad and I in board games at home are very bad. We're very competitive. It's not good. Um, we're not allowed to do some board games at home because we do get too competitive. So I think it's just that natural. <laughs> do like, you guys kind of flip board. the board? 
yeah, that has happened a few times. And we have had people storm out. So, and Christmas games, oh, they're also, <laughs> when there's food involved as well, you don't want the family involved. But, yeah, I think it's just like you're born with that kind of competitive nature, but they kind of helped me keep, like, get that self-discipline that's like, we're not going to wake you up in the morning to take you to training. Like, my alarm would go off, and if I wanted to go to training, I'd have to go to my parents' room and say, yep, I'm ready to go. If I didn't go to their room, they weren't, they weren't coming to wake me up. So it was kind of not necessarily, they never pushed me to do anything, but they pushed me to be accountable for what I was doing. So it wasn't necessarily like, you need to be a swimmer. It's like, if you choose to do something, you better put 110% of yourself into it because what's the point of half-assing something if you want results kind yeah. of thing? And that's just something that they definitely instilled in me. But then as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned from myself and gone, okay, like, you know, I've, I've done that a bit wrong or could I have done that better or and just moving through that and myself and then having them and yeah I think it's just like you're born with you're born with things and it's just learning how to use them yeah I think like you're born with that competitive nature or you're born with like an ability you know like sport or you'll be really smart or something but it's using that and having the people around you helping you use that but it really is down to yourself yeah it sounds like they more instilled personal responsibility than anything yeah, they just basically were like, you have to be accountable for what you do because they know that's like, they could be the, they could take me to training area and wake me up. But if I really didn't have that drive in myself, I was never going to do it. You know, I never was going to achieve the things that I have achieved. If they woke me up every morning, they got everything ready for me, they, you know, that, that type of thing, because it's just easy. But like, it's not meant to be easy. Yeah. And so beyond your parents, who would you say has been or played a really big part of your support network in keeping you going? So my coach, my swim coach I've been with for going on 14 years. Oh, so wow. I was really young when I started with him. I was still just out of learn to swim, like in mini squad or whatever it's called. Like, you know, your first lot of squad training, like the two times a week. And so he was my coach then. So he has, I've been with him the whole, my whole entire swim career. Um, and he's definitely been a massive, so he's is kind of like a second parent in a way, like, he does have that kind of father figure kind of role in my life, but also in a different way that he he's not my parents, he's not my family, so he can say things that my, probably your parents can't. Like yeah. he can kind of be that real supportive person but also really hard and direct when he needs to be because sometimes like obviously your parents come out of love and sometimes they don't want to hurt your feelings or you know they don't want to say something because they know you're in a bit of a place but my coach is like I know where you are but you need to hear this yeah. and he's not scared to be like I need to push you right now and or I, I need to help you pull you back sometimes because I am someone that sometimes needs to be pulled back because I do sometimes push a little bit too much yeah. and he's been real like he's been really good like I wouldn't be where I am without him like hands down and I want to stay with him for the rest of my career as well because I do – I'm a better athlete when I'm with him and I'm also a bit of a better person when I'm with him as well because he does really kind of create that little – that balance of drive but discipline and just support as well. Like I can call him any time of the week or any time of the day and be like, hey, I'm not doing well or, you know, I've hurt my foot or I've hurt my – like I've hurt myself, like what am I going to do? instead of having that fear of like, oh, my coach is going to be really mad at me, it's like, okay, well, what can you do and what can I help with yeah. kind of thing, which has been really great. No, I love that. Oh, that's so special to hear. And I honestly have no idea how it works in the coaching or in the swimming world, but 
Does the coach come with you to most of your events or do they stay in, in Australia? They're selected. So they're like swimmers. They get selected oh. for an event. So it is ba- like it has changed recently. So it's kind of a bit about their swimmers' world rankings, how many people they have on the team. Like there's a lot of, you know, political stuff that kind of goes into it and selection criteria. He's only ever been to two international meets that I've been on out of the six. So he, there's been a lot of times where he actually has to stay home when I'm off in a different time zone racing. So like the Olympics, he wasn't there. Um, the Commonwealth Games, he was, but in Sydney, he wasn't there either. Um, so yeah, like it's been really special to share those moments, especially Com Games, like winning a medal and him being there. That was really special. But yeah, it is it is a very weird relationship because it's he's not there twenty four seven, but he is like he's always on the phone or something like that. So. Yeah, it's a bit confusing how swimming works sometimes with coaches and I'd love to be able to get him on every team that I'm on, yeah. but it just doesn't work that way sometimes. Well, wow. it's so nice that he's still there like 24-7 for you to just call it. It's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're like, nope. It's- like, sometimes they're too much. He's, like in Tokyo, he messaged me every morning. Are you okay? I'm, I'm good. Still I'm alive. Good. Still here. Yeah, I'm still driving right now. Let's <laughs> kind of chill a little bit. And he'd be like, oh, but I just like, he paces his room when he's watching. That's just his wife texts me sometimes. It's like he's, it's he's not good today, and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I can tell. I've got fifty messages. <laughs> oh, that's so cute, though. Oh. Um, so I guess I kind of want to round this out. This is coming to the end of the pod, mm-hmm. and I think only a few people will ever understand what it's like to win an Olympic medal, to even go to the Olympics. Full stop. So. Going back in time, if we could, and you're Chelsea in grade 11, like you haven't won anything major, I guess, yet. Um, you're probably doing in Dr. Omarelli's class or Mr. Omarelli's class, living your best life, learning what corn and you're the crop of the corn and all of that shit he used to say. Um, what would you say to Chelsea back then? What do you wish you had heard or prepared her for? I think the biggest thing would be just like stick to yourself and know what you do best and that's kind of the biggest thing I think is just believing having that self-belief that what you're doing works and trust that it works because the Olympics is the biggest stage that I've ever performed on and probably if I I'd love to do it again but probably the biggest thing that I will ever compete at and it is something where you kind of, it is an easily distracted place. Like, it's easy to go in and be like, oh, there's other people, the best in the world are here. Like, what can I do? And I think that's just the biggest thing. And I did find myself doing that as kind of changing my routine. And when I, you know, didn't need to, I made the team doing the same routine that I've been doing for the last 12 years. So it's kind of like just reminding year 11 Chelsea, stick to what you know and actually properly stick to it. Don't let it distract actions kind of play into my preparation and is that what you're telling yourself now again yeah that's exactly what I tell myself now and I did into like the Commonwealth Games like I do a very different training program to some others I am a very big sprinter I can't can't do distance to save my life so I do prepare differently and it's just being in that environment going I made it here doing doing this I'm not going to change it now and just sticking to that and that's definitely one of my values going into it and that's something that I've said I really want to stick to is just swim with my values and swim to what makes me me yeah I love that and that's exciting for the next you know few events that you've got that mindset going in that's exciting 
yeah, it is exciting because I know that I'm mentally the best prepared I can be yeah. by the time I step up on those blocks for the, like my race goes for the hundreds, like a minute and four seconds and the in the fifties, like 29 seconds. So it's like, I've prepared 12 weeks. That's how big our prep is for the end of the year. So it's like 12 weeks. I've been the best mentally prepared I can be. Yeah. I love that. Now, what is coming up for you? I know you said you've got your events, but what events are coming up for you? So the in December, we have our world short course, which is our basically Olympic size 50 meter pool cut in half. Oh. Um, so we have that, our 25, all the same events as the Olympics and things like that, just in a shorter pool. Yeah. Um, and that's in Melbourne. So really exciting. It's my first ever home international meet. Um, so that's coming up. And then I'm going to Bali with my family for the fir- my first ever non-swimming related holiday in the last 12 years. So I've not been overseas that's not school or swimming related in 12 years, so I'm very excited. You need that Bali trip and you need a drink. Oh, I need <laughs> Bali trip. I'm there for New Year's. It's going to be great. That is going to go off its charts. Oh, my God. I love that so much. Now, at the end of every pod, we do something with the guests where it's our highlight of our week. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a brag. It can be something superficial. It can be something, like, so meaningful that I'm going to cry. Like, whatever you want. Is there something that you're grateful for, proud of, loving? I am very much grateful for my friends this week. So coming off an international meet or, like, being away for a long time, a lot of my friends, like, live all around the country and we all come together for maybe three weeks of the year. And I got to see, I think, like, four of my closest friends who live outside of the Gold Coast this week. So I'm very, very grateful for my friends and being able to see them and see them in a different environment other than swimming yeah. and a swimming. We got to go out and live a normal 20-year-old's life for a weekend. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for them. I love that. And was that at um, LSKD? No, so that's a different – that was a different event. So my lovely sponsors at LSKD, they're the, my biggest family. I love them so much and they support me so much. They just like holding little events for us and we go and we visit and we see all the staff and see all their puppy dogs that they bring and – they have a DJ there and we do a workout and that was just that's another thing I am grateful for is my sponsors and how much they love me and how much I love them that's so lovely well I love that so much and I love LSKD their, their stuff's cool so you've got a good sponsor there that's pretty cool <laughs> I have a discount code for everyone as well so it's just Chelsea LSKD and you get some money off at checkout there you go so, yeah. I'm gonna be using that yes <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for being on. This interview was so insightful. I feel like we I've learned so much about what I didn't even need to know. Like, I just, yeah, I, I'm beyond, beyond words. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so good that you're doing this. And I think it's so good to have these types of conversations that people might not, like, there's probably a lot of people that listen to you or listen to the podcast that probably never heard of a swimming thing in their life and have still learned something. And you know, I think like I've listened to some of your podcasts that people that like you never would probably meet in real life and you get to listen to those conversations and yeah. something we've been through before, like, you know, being able to have conversations with people you might not know is so good. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very lucky. <laughs> yes. Thank you. How good was Chelsea's episode? She's just such an incredible human being and such a wonderful, beautiful soul. And I know that sounds so bizarre for me to say that, but even through the camera, 
And even, you know, I've, I knew Chelsea back when we went to high school together. She's a genuinely good person and a very, very hard worker and a very humble person. And I'm just very thankful to her for coming on the podcast. Alrighty. Have a beautiful day. And until next time, take care of yourself. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.